0: Okay, this is Bill Lytell, pastor of Gospel Baptist Church in Bonita Springs. And God bless you. I appreciate you coming online, listen to the messages. I hope God anoints them and touches you with the Holy Spirit and gives you wisdom. I want to talk about a common problem of misapplying Scripture. Uh, the Bible says a lot of things. And if you take the Scripture out of out of its context, uh, it's been said uh, uh, a text without a context is a pretext. Uh, you can say anything you want to say out of the Bible. Uh, the Bible says Judas went out and hung himself. Jesus said, go thou out and do likewise. Well, it's absurd because you know the Bible doesn't in any way indicate or command like that would seem to indicate that you should go commit suicide. That's crazy. But yet people use the Bible and misuse the Bible just that way because they do not consider the context of the verses. They just pull a verse out of its context and then use it to kind of say whatever they want to say with the verse. Today I want to go over a a section of one of the maybe more misquoted verses in the Bible, at least I have heard it misquoted. It's a verse that I learned. My youth director gave it to me, wrote it in the New Testament uh, in 1968, I believe it was, and gave me this verse. And I memorized it, put it in my Bible, and has kept me in good stead. But it is dramatically misquoted. Let me let me tell you what it is. Philippians chapter four and verse nineteen. Philippians four nineteen says, "But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus." Interesting that it's quoted this way. Normally, I hear it says, "Well, my God shall supply all your needs." According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There's a world of difference between those those two things. One of them says need, one of them says needs. But God did not say he was going to supply all your needs. He said, I'm going to supply your need. Take a few minutes to try to explain that to you, and hopefully we can come away with something for God. Uh, the message is titled, God Shall Supply the Need of the need supplier. Christians come to me and ask, why are my needs not being met? I've had people on a regular basis say, Brother Bill, God does not answer my prayer. I say, yes, he does. He said, no, preacher, God does not answer my prayer. I ask him for something and it doesn't happen. I said, well, the reason you're not getting your prayer answers, possibly for a number of reasons, but one of them may be that you're just, you're trying to, pray something's out of the will of God. God says in 1 John, if we pray according to his will, we have confidence if we pray according to his will. Also, it says in James, if you pray amiss to heap it on your own lust, you're not going to receive it from God. Uh, God is not an errand boy to, to, to do what we want him to do, how we want him to do it. We are his servants to do his will. In one of the last chapters of the whole Bible, Revelation, it says his servants will serve him. People say, what are you going to do for eternity? We're going to serve God. And, and as a born-again believer, when you first get saved and born again, the Holy Spirit comes in. He begins this process of teaching you how to be a servant, not a master. He's the master. We're the servants. But we, we, it's a beautiful relationship. Uh, in First Timothy chapter 6, uh, going up here to uh, oh, verse uh, verse 6 of chapter 6, says, But the godly- godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we'll carry nothing out. I have buried enough people to tell you that they don't take anything out of this world. Not even the clothes that the mortician puts on them do they get to carry out of here. If you've been around people that have gone on or are dead, there's something missing about a dead body. You may have known this person for 50, 60 years well, and yet when that person dies, you, you'll you just testify that person's not here. His body's here, her body's here, but there's something missing from that. They take nothing with them. So no matter how we try to accumulate things in this world, God wants us... <laughs> He wants us to know the uh, truth of it all is you're not going to take a thing materially. You accumulate on this side to heaven. You can't. All of this stuff's going to be burnt with fire. All of it's going to be destroyed from the elemental level on. There'll be nothing left. Why? It's corrupted and it's under the curse. And it can't go to heaven. It's got to stay here. What's going to heaven? Your soul and the word of God. The only two eternal things that you're going to touch or have any experience with this side of heaven is going to be your soul and the eternal word of God. That's why, as an old fashioned, uh, hellfire, uh, a shingle pulling window rattling Baptist, we preach the Bible. We believe in the Bible. When you get want to solve a problem, you go to the Bible. When you want to find a solution to something, you go to the Bible because it is the eternal, forever settling heaven word of God doesn't change. And verse 8 it says, and having food and remnant. Let us be content. Now, you you could go to your average person and say, uh, what would it take to make you content? And they they would not say that. Food and clothing. Food and clothing, that'll make me content. Oh, their list of of making them content is way bigger, including mine. Uh, As a carnal carnal person, mine would be just like theirs. But as a spiritual person, which, by the way, there in Timothy, Paul's talking as a very spiritual apostle. Having been with Christ and been taught by Christ, he got, he got it. He got it. Because we're not taking any of this with us, what in life is really valuable? And then in verse, in Philippians, going back to our text in 419, we understand his definition of need. So the need of a spiritual person is not the would not be defined as the need of a carnal person. Uh, Let me start maybe negatively on this and and trying to explain this a little further. What supplying your need is not. First of all, it does not mean that you're going to have a trouble-free life. My God should supply all my need. That does not mean that you're going to have a trouble-free life because you don't need a trouble-free life. Paul didn't have it. The apostles didn't have it. As far as I know, all the apostles were uh, martyred, except for possibly the, the apostle John, which lived a long life and died possibly in the Isle of Patmos. We don't know for sure. But the rest of them, and so many that followed Christ in that first century, were martyred, were, were driven, uh, lived in caves. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 says, whom the world was not worthy. Some of them were sawn asunder, some of them were beaten, some of them were hung on crosses. Uh, who knows what God's people went through that first century under the Roman Empire. Paul in the Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 through 27 maybe gives a clearest, simply unbelievable listing of how God treated him. Now we're talking about somebody whose name is on one of the 12 foundations the New Jerusalem. I believe Paul's name will be on that because he's the 12th disciple or 12th apostle. And so you're going to have the names of the apostles on the 12 foundations. We know who 11 of those are, but it's a question, who's the twelfth? Judas Iscariot, obviously not. He was the son of perdition. So who's going to be on there? It's going to be Apostle Paul. He said, I'm an apostle born out of due season. And think there's ample proof of that. Jesus met with him and taught him. Here's what he said. Are they not all ministers of Christ? He says, I am the more, and labor is more abundant, stripes above measure, prisons more frequent, and death's off. Of a, of Jews five times received I forty stripes say one That's thirty nine stripes. Why? If you spanked your kid and you spanked him over ten, if you took a belt or a paddle or a ping pong paddle or however you spank your child and you spanked him over ten swats, the people of this day would rise up and and uh, per, and persecute you pretty badly. Imagine getting thirty nine of anything, thirty nine of anything, and these were stripes. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils of the city, in perils of, in the wilderness, in perils of sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Hello? For my God shall supply all your need. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, wrote that verse. So the one who said, my gosh, to supply our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, also wrote Second Corinthians about all that he had been through. He did not feel that God had not supplied his need. So we know what it does not mean is you're going to have a trouble-free life. It does not mean that all your material comforts and wants are going to be supplied, because Paul also goes on to talk about uh, how he suffered in cold and hunger. It does not mean to supply your personal happiness with blue skies and lots of sunshine. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul says, For we would not, brethren, have you to be ignorant of our trouble, which came us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch, I love this part, insomuch that we even despaired of life. Now you just gotta let that sink in a minute. Let it, get your mind on that. Paul, the great apostle, the one who Jesus taught personally, the one who who was given a special mission to the Gentiles, a privileged individual, no doubt chosen vessel by Jesus Himself, despaired of life. You gotta get low. Maybe you've never been to the place where you've despaired about something. It is pretty rare to get that far down, where you finally just despair means you have no hope almost. You've come out, you've come and you just don't think there's any light at the end of the tunnel. You're despairing of life. That was the same guy that wrote, But my God shall supply all your need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians one twenty-nine, written by Paul through the Holy Spirit, says, For unto you it is given. Now, given means a gift. In the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So, God has given us the gift of suffering. The book of Hebrews said that suffering helped complete or perfect the Lord Jesus as he was becoming our high priest. For we have not a high priest which should not be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but with all points. Tempted like as we are yet without sin. If suffering can help Jesus be a better high priest, surely suffering can help me to be a better Christian. Suffering is part of life to help us. You get a better attitude about suffering, and it'll help you uh, as you go through life. It'll help you. The fourth thing it does not mean, the word need there, it does not mean to supply your dreams. I get so tired of hearing TV propaganda, media propaganda, follow your dreams. Oh, follow your dreams. I hear I hear young girls say, oh, I have a dream. This man's going to show up. He's going to be my knight in shining armor. He's going to whisk me off my feet and take me to a fairytale life. That really is a dream. You don't know anything about men if you believe that's what a man's going to do for you. Uh, you you don't understand the whole the whole male gender. Uh, there's not going to be uh, God's God's mission in life is not to not to make your dreams come true. Your mission in life is to make God's dreams come true. It's it's, it's the mission of you and me as born again believers to fulfill His will, to do His will, or make His dreams, as it were, come true. God's idea of what your life should be will be much different than what you envision. As Isaiah 55, verse 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Romans 11, 34 says, For well, who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Uh, if you try to say, be real careful to speak when you start speaking for God. I heard people tell me, well, there couldn't be a hell, because a loving God would never create a hell. You never throw anybody in it. You're starting to speak for God. And to speak for God, that means you have to know God or be actually above God or equal with God to be able to do that, and you're not. And so be very very careful when you speak for God because his ways are so much higher, so much different than ours. His big picture is not our picture. You just got to go to the Bible, which was the mind of Christ. And you can figure out his will in some degree from the Bible, but you don't know all that God is just from the Bible. You don't know all he is. You, it's, the Bible is simply a need-to-know book. You know what you need to know to be able to succeed as a born-again believer. So what is uh, supply our need? What, what is it? What is the need? Well, meeting those things which eternally make a difference are a necessity for you to fulfill or to have, so that you can fulfill His will in your life. That's what that is. Freedom from a guilty and defiled conscience is a need to succeed. Freedom from bitterness, wrath, anger, hatred, malice towards others is a need to succeed. Have an internal peace with God is a need to succeed. Have an internal peace with yourself as a born again believer is a need to succeed, all of these is so you are in a condition to do the will of God, ultimately to help those around you. God shall supply the need of the need supplier. Where do I get that? The principle for that is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. There's the principle right there. The rest of it just amplifies how it's going to happen. He'll do it in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet or give, wherewith it shall be measured to you again. So how much do you want God to bless you in this life? How much do you want God I'm talking about eternally now. We're not talking about Fleshly or materially, because that has nothing to do with God. What we're talking about in the in the in defining and doing the very will of God. How much do you want? How deep do you want your ministry to go? How wide do you want your ministry to go? It's really it's crazy, but in some degree it depends on you and depends on me on how much we're willing to give. When God came by my house at eighteen years old and He asked me to be in full time Christian service, trust me. That was the last thing on my mind. I said to him, I'll do anything. I'll do anything for you, God, but please don't make me a preacher. I'd seen the way preachers had been treated. And I saw, I saw how they uh, struggled and how people shoot them from both sides and, and just not appreciated in many cases. And, you know, I'm 18 years old. I'm thinking, man, that's a tough life. And I don't want that life. And God says, this is what I want you to do. And I said, okay, I'm going to give you my life. I'm 18. I don't have much. I may not live very long. I may die in my 20s. I don't know. But whatever life I have, I'm willing to give it. Give, and it should be given unto unto you. I never thought I'd live this old. I never thought I'd be 68 years old. That's ancient. I mean, what in the world? 68 years old. Now, you 80-year-olds call me a young whippersnapper, and that's why I like to hang around you. I love to hang around old people. It's a blessing, because as long as you hang around old people, it just makes you feel young. And hanging around 20-somethings makes me feel ancient, makes me feel old, because they they don't remember hardly anything that I remember. And we don't hardly have anything in common on, on what they remember, so that makes me feel. But I got around some of these old boys, and we can talk We can talk about when uh, polio was active, and every summer young people died of polio. We remember that. remember tuberculosis when it was active and people were going to sanitariums and having treatment for tuberculosis. We remember all that stuff. And so it kind of gives you a commonality about that. And God said, Look, give and it should be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's up to you. How much you're willing to give. So, if, are you willing to give some of your life, 20% of your life, 40% of your life, 60% of your life, 80% of your life, or 100% of your life? And so he said, If you'll give, you will receive. That's, that's reiterated as a principle again in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 6, where it says, But but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. I mean, that's as clear as it gets, isn't it? And he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. How much you're going to have in heaven is how much you sent ahead. How much you're going to have in heaven is how much you've given. Uh, Don't get mad at God if you go to heaven and there's just a little old shack out in a corner somewhere of heaven, out in the outskirts of heaven, and and, and you say, Well, man, I thought I was going to get a mansion. And the angel says, That's as much as we could do with what you sent. Don't be surprised. But, brother and sister in Christ, we got this grand opportunity called life. The day we breathe and live and exist and have our being, we can give and give and give and give. And here's the wild part about that. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. He that gives, it shall be given back unto him in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now that's the promise of God. That's the principle of God. Now at 18 years old, I accepted this by faith. At 68 years old, I not only still accept it by faith, but I've actually seen it happen. I've actually seen it fulfilled in my own life. Uh, I have no bucket list. My bucket list has been all checked off and done. God has done exceedingly beyond my expectations or imaginations uh, for me in life. It's been amazing. What a privilege it is to work and to serve a living God. So the only way we receive the things we need then is to give. God won't supply a stingy person's need. God won't supply a self-interested person's need. God won't supply a what can you do for me type person or an all about me type person. God won't supply a what can this church do for me type of a Christian. Let me say this. If you're going to a local church, don't sit in that seat with a sourpuss on and saying, well, they didn't shake my hand. They didn't say hi. They didn't say this. They didn't send me a birthday card. They didn't send me an anniversary card. Well, I missed for five weeks and nobody called me. Nobody wrote me. Nobody touched me. They didn't even miss me. Don't have that attitude. Man, you're looking at the glass half empty. Look at the glass half full. You got a local church to go to. You got a pastor that's been raised up by God. You got assistants. You got people that love the Lord and they gather together to sing praises and worship God. Get on the other side of that thing and say, how many people have I shaken their hand this Sunday? How many people have I written this last week? How many people have I encouraged on the phone? This last week, how many people have I texted and said, Live for God and do right? Instead of of what what can the church do for me, say, What can I do for the local church? That's going to make you, guess what it's going to do for you? People will be all over you trying to give you stuff. Uh, With example, in our own church, I'm going to use a name. I know she do not want me to do it. I'm going to do it. It's Marilyn Bob Rose. Marilyn Bob Rose came into this church 20 some odd years ago, and from the day they hit the door, they started inviting people over to their house and have these big old fish cookouts. And they started writing these letters for people when they visited our Sunday school class. And their life was is, is just exemplified of, of giving, 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 giving. Now they've gotten old. And they're real old. Real old. I mean, she, Bobby's 94 years old. and I think Marilyn's uh, 91. And uh, I'm going to tell you what. They... We, people, are, people are itching to try to give them stuff. They want to help them. They're never going to worry about when I get old, oh, what will I have? You don't have to worry. People that give don't have to worry about that. People that give, God says, I'll supply all your need and really what you need. According to the, according to the grace of God, He'll supply it in Christ Jesus. God won't supply, what can this job do for me? He'll supply the folks that says, what can I do for this job? God won't supply, what can my country do for me? He'll supply those folks, who. Well, what can I do for my country? God supplies the need of the need supplier with basic needs so they can give to others just like Jesus did. In Proverbs, I think of the virtuous woman. I did a little analysis of Proverbs. and I'm not going to go over all those verses. It's already verse 10 through 29, just so you're not scared. This isn't going to be that long. Let me give you some highlights of this thing. This person called the virtuous woman. Let me just make it public. I married this kind of woman. She's not here, she's not hearing what I'm saying, but I'm gonna tell you that I married this kind of woman. I am a rich man beyond belief. How do I know that? Who can find a virtuous woman for her prices far above rubies? My woman is I am a rich man. If nothing else happened in my life, and I lived in a little old a shack with a dirt floor and had two changes to clothes, I would be at one of the richest people that you know. Why? I found a virtuous woman. Or may I say it this way? God found me a virtuous woman. See, at 18, when I gave him my life and said, I'll do what you want me to do, I wasn't married. I wasn't married. And he already had in store for me. Had I lived for myself, I'd have probably got a Jezebel or a Delilah. But God said, you want to do my will? You want, you want to live for me? I'm going to give because you have given. And he gave me a good woman. Whoa, a virtuous woman. What does she do? She is one buzzsaw of activities. He said, if you got a virtuous woman, there's no need of spoil. Uh, let, let me give you the verbiage on this. She'll do him good. She seeketh wool. She worketh willingly. She bringeth her food. She riseth up while it's night. She giveth meat to her household. She buyeth. She planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins; she strengtheneth her arms. Uh, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry and clothing of silk. Her husband is known in the gates. People, man, look at it and understand. She maketh fine linen, and selleth it. Uh, she strengtheneth beauty of her clothing. She, she shall rejoice in time to come. The virtuous woman, by just what I read there, you know, is a giver, 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 giver. But what did it say? She shall rejoice. In the time to come, because she's going to reap, 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 reap the things that she's given. In other words, as she's given, so she's also going to be given back. She opened her mouth with wisdom; her tongue is the law of kindness. She looked well to the ways of her household. He did not the bread of idleness. God forbid a lazy woman. God forbid a lazy man. You can cure almost anything but laziness, idleness will kill the best person, destroy the best intentions. Don't you be idle. Don't you sit around and be idle. Find some ministry that God has for you. Man, there's more to do than we got life to do. Let's get busy, stay busy, till God takes your hands off the plow. Amen. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtually, but thou excellest them all. Notice all those verbs. She's not concerned with herself. She's not going around sucking her thumb and saying, nobody wrote me this week or nobody called me. Nobody ever pays attention to me or nobody, nobody, uh, uh, this or that and there's a hundred different things. You know that me, 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 me. Those people are miserable. The worst, most, most miserable child on earth is a spoiled child. You know that. Most miserable person on earth. Give them everything they want. You want to destroy your child? Give them everything they want. God won't do it. God knows better. He's not going to spoil us. He's going to give us what we need. And he'll supply the need of the need supplier. Our whole society is saying, what's in it for me? And they are a miserable bunch. And if I may say it, they are dead wrong. History testifies of it. Life testifies of it. Bible testifies of it. We who've lived only a few years Testify of it that God supplies the need of the need suppliers. For my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. May God help us to be like Jesus. Father, thank you for the few minutes together. We pray that this would help some folks and lift them up. I don't mean to be mean spirited, I don't want to come across mean. I want to come across like Jesus would. I pray that, Father, that there be somebody out there that's been all about them and they're miserable, they're, they're, they're just hating life, as it were, because they just feel like nothing's working out for them. May God you help them to get their eyes off themselves and to put their eyes on what they can do for you, how they can fulfill your dreams and how they can fulfill your will, how they can help the local church prosper. Rather than complaining about the local church not doing this or not doing that or not being good enough, Why don't they, by the grace of God, why don't you put your hand and say, I'm going to be a blessing to my local church. I am going to bless the socks off the preacher, the deacon, the people. I'm going to be an asset to them. I'm going to be a Bob and Marilyn Rose to my local church. Oh God, multiply us according to your kindness and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.